So obviously want to dig into the new album and talk about some live shows, talk a little bit about the past and get your opinion on a couple things. But kind of kind of no way to not talk about it, especially with the new album, Checkered Past. But uh, this past uh, year, almost two years now that we've been enduring this pandemic and kind of curious where you were at with the album when the world right. kind of shut down in March of 2020. Where were you guys at at that point? Well, um, let's see. Where were we at in March? Well, I had a baby February 12th, 2020. And I was in Denmark, and I was writing and doing things, you know, at the same time, you know, having a newborn. And um, then the pandemic hit, and then the lockdown hit in March, you know, right away. So I basically you know, just got stuck in Denmark for five months from that point. So I just continued, you know, writing and kind of doing this re- remote recording with the rest of the band. Um, and it, it was, you know, it was simple to do, but, <laughs> but we were forced to do it. You know, I mean, normally you only do things that way out of convenience or, you know, everybody's all over the world or whatever. And it looked like, at that point that there was no end in sight, you know, for the pandemic. So, um, I was doing some other records with some other people remotely at the same time. And then all of a sudden it must've been the end of summer. The label said, Hey, we need you to deliver this record by, you know, the first of November last year. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you know, I had to really tighten things up and, and get on it but i had written plenty of stuff you know the beginning of the year it just wasn't very urgent you know but when the urgency came they did push the the turn in date back till march 1st so it gave me plenty of time from that point so i guess we turned it in march 1st this year really but yeah i had plenty of time to do it and uh it was the easiest most mysterious thing i've ever done in my life <laughs> and i'm curious too with the with the recording and doing it virtually and having a baby did that i'm sure that affected uh, the plane and, and trying to figure out time and schedules were you able to get into the studio with the guys at some point or was it completely done virtually uh, it was completely virtual everything nobody saw each other even one time during the whole process adam hamilton He's the guy that ended up playing drums on the album. He's a long time kind of sixth member of L.A. Guns. He used to play bass in the band, and, and he's been involved in some of the past recordings recently. He has his studio with his drum set up, and, you know, he wasn't going to let anybody else come over during a pandemic. His daughter is immune, uh, you know, compromised. Uh. So it was it was all on him to get the drums done, uh, which was not a problem. I mean, you know, I have so much faith in this guy. So he was doing that, and then he ended up actually mixing the record because he and I had been communicating the whole time uh, that, you know, Phil did his stuff at his house with help of... Uh, this guy, Mitch Davis, who he co-writes with. So Mitch, living in New York, he had to help Phil build uh, a vocal booth in his house, you know, remotely. And so there was a lot of things had to happen for everybody to be able to do what they needed to do. But it, it, it worked out, you know, it definitely worked out. Yeah, no, definitely worked out. The album sounds amazing, but I was kind of curious too with this uh, being the second album for Ace Von Johnson. Did he contribute mm-hmm. a little bit more this time? Was it being a little bit more comfortable in the situation? Yeah, well, he he brought in the song um, "Living Right Now," which almost all those guitars are his. The only thing I did is I played slide on it, and then uh, that's his bionic solo. It's amazing. And then he did he played he played basically rhythms on everything else. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely. 
his feel is all over the record now. Maybe one of these days we'll get to I'll get together and, you know, put an album together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love him as a human being and kind of cool that little double lead beginning of the solo for uh, Cannonball. And I kind of felt like that yeah. was him kind of being jumped in like, all right, you're in now. You can solo with me. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that real nautical solo. <laughs> I love it. And I'm kind of curious for solos for you. Are you a guy, I'm sure you're a guy that's always writing riffs, but when it comes to solos, do you write them out? Do you, do you spend a lot of time on them or are you just kind of going and jam it out one take kind of vibe? Every song's different. You know, it depends what the song is doing and what the song needs in that space. And it also depends what I do under, you know, what music is playing under a solo section. So like Cannonball, for example, it had to have a kind of a nautical feel and it had to go over that chord progression. And then and Johnny Martin wrote that music. So ah. it wasn't typical of something that, that I would, you know, write for a solo section, but, but I, I really like doing that because then it's more of a challenge, right? So putting that solo together, it kind of has three parts. You know, it has the dual thing with, with Ace and I. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to get that first feel, and that was really thought out, you know, even without a guitar. I was, like, listening to the rhythm going, and, you know, nautical things are kind of, I forgot what they call, you know, the old, uh, you know, sailor songs, but they have a very, you know, uh, descending line all the time. Yeah, ho, ho, hey, he, ho, kind of a thing. <laughs> so I was trying to like picture that in the first part of the solo. Then the second part of the solo was typical me. And then there's a third part that goes way up really fast. You know, that kind of stuff. So something like that, I really have to think about it in parts is where typically if I have like kind of a stationary chord progression where the key doesn't change or anything, then I'll have to, you know, really then define those phrases, you know, define the sentences, you know, like it's a small paragraph or, or something like that. But sometimes like, I guess it's, what's, what's a good example? Um, what's it called? Bad luck charm. You know, that solo is completely improvised. You know, it's like, you know, I listened to something like How Many More Times by Zeppelin, like right before I did the solo. <laughs> and I go, okay, get that feel. You know, and I do it a couple of times. And, you know, first couple of times I hit some clunkers. And then third or fourth time I go, yep, that's good enough. I love it. I love it. And you had mentioned about the producer playing drums on the album. I know Coogan Out and Fitzgibbon back. Is that all uh, settled now or, or is that still kind of in the air? No, I mean, that's what's going on right now. Um you know, Shane's back in, at least through, I think he's even doing the cruise with us in February. Um, and then we just got to kind of play it by ear. But knowing Shane, he'll probably stick around for the big <laughs> tour that happens next summer. So, we'll, you know, we'll see. And speaking of shows, we got a couple uh, local area shows for us. The Coach House on the 26th and Gas Lamp on the 27th. And I imagine you're just yeah. itching to get back out there at this point. Y- y- you know, I'm nervous. <laughs> it, it, it takes a lot of effort to play an L.A. gun set, you know, and I've been kind of in the studio and, you know, when I'm in Denmark, that's where I get most of my exercise because you either walk everywhere every day or you ride a bicycle. So I'm in pretty good shape there, but I've been back here for a couple of weeks. I'm already getting fat and lazy, so you know, I got <laughs> to step it up a little bit. You need to be chasing around a baby all the time like you are in, in Denmark. That'll keep you on your toes. Oh, man. Yeah, my son here, he's 12 
he's almost 13. I'll be 13 at the end of the month. And he's as lazy as I am, you know? <laughs> so, you know, we, we just hang out and we just talk all day. You know, we don't, we don't do anything. Um, but, and we bake, you know, we make, you know, we bake chocolate chip cookies and bread and things like that. So we're real healthy over here. Oh man. But, um, no, I, I, I'm really excited about playing and we start rehearsals next week and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit giddy about it. You know, I, I got to admit it. It must be nice to feel a little giddy, a little bit nervous, like that, that nervous excitement yeah. in your belly. And I'm sure you're going to tackle it at rehearsals, but have you thought about set list? Have you figured out how many songs you're going to sneak in from Checkered Past? Yeah, we got three. We're going to do three. We're not going to do Knock Me Down. I think that was the second single. We Well, one of the singles we released. We're not going to do that one, but we're going to do the other three. And yeah, the set list is together. And unless it's awkward when we run through it, it'll probably stay what it is right now. A little bit long. A little bit long, and I don't like playing too long because it gets boring for everybody. So we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. That's a problem you have, though, with such a big catalog. You got so many songs Man. that you have to play, plus the new ones that you want to play. And I just want to throw yeah. my hand in the air for a, a vote for a better than you, man. I love that riff. Yeah, I, I don't know what to do. You know, sometimes I think, and I even brought it up to Phil and the guys a couple of weeks ago when I was putting the set list together, I'd put a set list together and somebody on Twitter had mentioned, Hey, have you ever thought about kind of doing two sets where, you know, the first set is like all the current stuff, you know, cause people really want to hear it and then do, you know, kind of what's expected in the second set, you know, kind of like two 45 minute sets or, you know, two fifty, whatever it would be. And I think that's a great idea, but I got, I got voted down. Ah, I kind of like I that. Know. Yeah. It's like an evening with kind of idea. Yeah, I mean, you know, geez, we've been around so long. You know, bands just aren't supposed to be around this long. <laughs> Speaking of uh, of bands and shifting gears a little bit to a, a newer band that hasn't been around that long that I loved is Sunbomb and you and Michael Sweet getting together. Yeah. Talk about how that happened. That was out of frustration because we wanted to tour together. You know, we wanted to do an L.A. Gun Striper tour at least once. Promoters just weren't having it. <laughs> like nope, and I and I still don't really understand why, but uh, they we just can't get that together for some reason. But anyways, I got the you know with Frontiers Records, I do a lot of records with them, not just LA Gun stuff. And they said, you know, do you want to do kind of a solo thing? And I said, oh yeah, but you know, it's not going to be like instrumental or anything. You know, I I only do bands, you know, kind of a thing. And they were like, yeah, you know, who do you want to sing? And and I thought about it for five minutes, and, I, and then I realized I had recently become really good friends with Michael. And I said, Michael Sweet. And they said, wow, okay. So I hit Michael up with a text. I said, hey, here's a piece of music. What do you think? And he loved it. And he said, what is this? And I said, well, I said, it's me, and uh, do you want to sing on it? He said, yeah, absolutely. And I said, well, do you want to sing on 11 of these? <laughs> he goes, oh, you're doing a record. I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, man. And uh, that was real remote, too. It was, uh, again, Adam Hamilton's played drums on that. So that was our first kind of re remote experience, you know, doing, you know, me recording all the guitars, sending them to Adam, and he does the drums to the guitars, which is, you know, kind of the backwards way to do it. But it really seems to be easy for us to do. We did that, then we got all the music finished and got it to Michael. And I, and I didn't get the, the completed songs back for, I think it was a year. Oh, wow. So it took a while. Yeah, it took a while to get it, you know, to that level. And we really wanted it at that level. You know, we really didn't want it to be, you know, kind of a lazy throwaway project. Um, I really prefer not to be involved in stuff like that. So we got it out. People really liked it. It's a real metal record. And, um, you know, I know the label wants to 
us to do another one, but it won't be anytime soon. Well, interesting. It was great to hear you and Michael on kind of a different gear for you, I felt like, playing-wise. Yeah. And it also kind of sounds like the, the Sun Bomb and all the the way that album was made kind of set you up and, and made life a lot easier for the new L.A. Guns album because you were used to the kind of remote thing. You know, it really made it simple and it made it really easy to go to Adam and say, hey, this is what's going on. And he, and he said, yeah, you know, let's do it. And we're working on another record right now, Adam and I and Todd Kearns, who plays bass for Slash. Yeah. He's going to sing. He's going to sing on this other thing. And it's like, you know, super zeppy kind of heavy blues, you know, rock. 70s album and we've already got three songs kind of done and man it sounds crazy good oh man i can't wait to check that out the one last point i want to make too sun bomb kind of felt like the you know certainly more of a metal record than a hard rock record with la guns but i I feel like those riffs kind of seeped in a little bit with better than you and and dog and some of that stuff well i mean it, it depends on the tone right it depends on the tone and the attitude, the way something is played. And Michael James Jackson, the producer who did uh, Hollywood Vampires, we had that discussion years ago. You know, he said, you know, when something's heavy, it's because it's implied heavy. It's not because it's necessarily heavy. You know, it's the attitude and the tone and the mood that's created, you know, with music that dictates what's metal, what's heavy rock, what's light rock. I understand that very well. I understand how that works. And I also understand how it works psychologically to somebody listening to music. So a really good example, I made a video, the LA gun song speed. Mm-hmm. And then I showed how a riff like that could also sound like life off of the sun bomb record, you know, cause they're very similar riffs, but speed definitely sounds like a heavy rock song and life sounds like a metal song, you know, but just by tonality and the way I imply, you know, the notes really changes the mood of the song or the weight of the song. You know, it's really interesting. The psychology of music is insane. Yeah, no, that is interesting. And I, I, I like digging into that stuff. My dad was a psychologist growing up, so. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 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 I could totally feel you on that. Dude, Tracy, I appreciate all the time. And, uh, you know, one other thing I wanted to hit you with, the, looking in the, the rear view mirror a little bit, talking about side projects mm-hmm. and super groups, Brides of Destruction. Yeah, man. <laughs> good one. You're almost coming up on the 20th anniversary of that one. Do you feel like that one did everything it was supposed to do, or do you feel like there's some unfinished business with that band? Um, you know, it, when you go into a situation, you know, or when I go into a situation, I don't approach anything like it's a side project. It doesn't matter what it is, you know. It's like, this is what I'm doing right now. This is my Led Zeppelin. It doesn't matter what band, you know, it's like, <laughs> this is my Led Zeppelin moment. This is what I'm doing. But then when you get rolling in a project, then you really get a sense of what it is. You know, you get a sense of, okay, you know, this is temporary or this is something that could be done from time to time. And the first year, you know, it took us a year to make an, an eight or nine song record, you know, spent a lot of time hanging out. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, ordered a lot of lunches, talked about a lot of ish took a lot of pictures and wrote, you know, eight or nine really cool songs. And then we went and toured and it, and it was really great. But the thing of it was, in the end, when I look back, it was more of just friends getting together and just being snotty. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, Nicky, for all his prowess, he wants to get the song done 
you know, later, I guess, he's become quite the musician, and that started in Brides. You know, he was real, not so secure with his playing, you know, and but he took care of it really quick, and he got really good really fast. You know, so his concerns are different than my concerns. You know, like, my concerns are, you know, music from the ground up that is timeless and, you know, special. And, you know, his thing, and this is why we were a good combination, his thing was like, you know, delivering a good song out of the speakers to people that don't give a shit about music, they just want a good song. You know, we did what we could, and then there's a couple co-writes on the next record that he wasn't involved with, but yeah, it, it just kind of, it did what it did, and then it just got slammed down. I mean, do I think there was more? Not really. Mm. You know, I don't think there was really anything else left to do because not unlike uh, Velvet Revolver, you know, it was exciting for, what, you know, 12 months, 18 months. And then, you know, those kind of bands, you know, super groups kind of have a shelf life, I guess, you know. It's strange. Yeah, it does seem like that, unfortunately. One other thing I yeah. wanted to bring up uh, that I forgot about, wanted to touch on too, was the Cocked and Loaded live from Vegas uh, and, and doing the mm-hmm. live stream with that. And kind of curious, uh, your take on live streams. It's really uncomfortable to <laughs> see that, you know, because the way that we did, we did two. We did one before the Cocked and Loaded one here in L.A., that was a Monsters of Rock cruise stream. And with that one, it was more like being on a TV set. It was really cool. You know, we had these background monitors and things like that. And it felt like you're making a like a music video, you know. And that was a little bit more comfortable. And then the one we did in Vegas, I think we were allowed to let 25 people in this big room. You know, like, I don't know, it probably held a thousand people and we had either 25 or 50 people but they weren't close to us at all you know they were kind of spread out at tables with masks on the whole deal you know we're doing cocked and loaded and you know we did a great job and and the recording is is great but it's really uncomfortable to play like that yeah <laughs> just like like hello <laughs> you know like 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 who's phil gonna talk to in between the crowd and he is he's talking to those 25 people he's like how you doing and you hear like some guy go play speed you know or or whatever this really bizarre thing when you're used to always being in a packed room you know playing live music so you notice that that thing's kind of gone away like there aren't people really streaming very much anymore you know kind of had its moment and i think it's really boring for the for the person at home too it's like okay there's a song i wanted to hear okay but now i can go in the kitchen and you know make a bowl of cereal and put the simpsons on you know it's, it right. just doesn't have the same doesn't have that same kind of wow factor through a computer screen you know it's weird yeah it's kind of like a pacifier just something to kind of hold you over you know it's not, not yeah. quite a live show but but the other interesting thing about it too is that uh, live nation did set up up a bunch of venues for live mm-hmm. streams and it is kind of kind of a, a nice fallback plan like if you did have a sold out tour somewhere you could flip right. a switch and then do a live stream and then those who couldn't get into the show could see the show right 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 i really like garth brooks i think he did it he was talking about it you go to one massive venue like the forum or something you stream it into multiple venues at once So, like, people could go, like, social distance in an arena anywhere in Mm. the world, you know, but they have to buy tickets, you know, they have to go, like, physically go to those rooms. And, you know, they could still sell, like, four or 5,000 tickets in a 20,000 seater at the time. And I think he did, like, 18 arenas, and he played in one empty and, you know, made, like, a billion dollars or something. I don't know. But, like, that's the way to do it. Like, that's... 
that's how the big boys do it. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, you want to stream? All right, we're going to stream. But I don't remember hearing about it afterwards, so I don't know how successful it really was. Yeah, interesting. I mean, Slipknot's doing it for their big Knot Fest Los Angeles coming up here in a few days, and it'd be interesting to see what that... Oh, wow. Yeah, how that goes. Rival Sons is doing it. That's how I got the idea for the sold-out show. Rival Sons is doing that. Their tour is sold out, so they did a live stream. They're live streaming the last date Uh of the tour for the people that can't get in because it's sold out. Wild. You know how big, you know, I'm in Denmark like half the time, I guess. Denmark's a weird place. All the people my age are 10 years younger than me, let's say, that, you know, the musicians that I know over there, they love Rival Sons. Like, Mm -hmm. you you would think that they're like... A massive band over there yet just says a lot about Denmark but that they, they play these clubs there but the music has had such an impact on musicians over there like here I know they're big and I know people like them but over there they're like influencing everything on the on the street level for rock music it's amazing yeah I think it's just because it's that like American sound. I think that's why other country, countries like like a Denmark would gravitate to it. So because it's almost yeah. Americana, you know, Americana rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it could, it could. See, I look at it the other way. I think that you know they're a British band. You know, like they, mm. you know, they're like Deep Purple and Zeppelin. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're, they're from here. They're from Long Beach, but but they really have the that thing about music that I love. You know, like they really do. And but no, but you're right. You know, it's probably. People over there that in Europe, they always look to America. You know, what's going on with rock music in America? And, you know, Rival Sons did a really smart thing just by being Rival Sons. Because nobody else here has really done that as effectively as they do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're, they're very authentic and the singer's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, that's the one thing that really lacks, I feel, across the board through all genres, is you have very trendy kind of female voices where, I, where sometimes I can't tell who's who, you know, they're like doing kind of the same kind of things. And then with male rock, you know, like that kind of little bit macho, you know, rival sons, tough riffs and stuff like that. It just isn't anybody good at it except rival sons, you know, and I guess there's a band that I'm not real familiar with that's touring with uh, Wolf Van Halen. Mm-hmm. I guess they're really good too. And Blackberry Smoke's really good and uh, and stuff like that. But you know, it tells me a lot, though, that these bands like that, that are very, like, organic, heavy rock, people really want that kind of music, man. They really like it. And, you know, it's the same with the success of L.A. Guns in the last four years. The only reason we're doing so well is because we don't have any competition. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, if you're starving for heavy rock, well, there's L.A. Guns. You know, I was just going to say, I think I think people are, are tired of the overproduction and the 808s being yeah. dropped in and the breakdowns and they want just four or five guys sweating it out in a garage kind of vibe. And you yeah. certainly bring that. And so does Rival Sons. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, you could have a hundred different bands doing that, you know, that are all, you know, authentic within their band because, you know, band chemistries are different from band to band. You know, you don't, you know, you can say, hey, we're going to make an album that sounds like Zeppelin and you're not going to sound like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? You know, you could say whatever you want, you know, the chemistry between four or five guys is that chemistry and that songwriting and, you know, the way that they put things together. And it's really a healthy way to play music. I don't care if it's jazz. I don't care what it is. But just have people 
in a room playing without the electronics. And I'm not against electronics. I just think that because of electronics, that like organic heavy music has been overlooked. Yeah. You know, and, 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 but, but people still respond to it really well when it's available. Absolutely. Tracy, I mean, I appreciate all the time. The last thing I got to hit you with that you're going to be a part of and you're going to kind of co-host with me because we're one of those old school radio stations. We still worship every night at 10 p.m. at the altar of Metallica, mandatory Metallica. Nice. And I'm kind of curious, your thoughts on Metallica. I'm sure you have some appreciation for uh, Hetfield and Hammett. Oh, yeah, of course. They were at our first, uh, we, we, we released our first album at the Police Academy here in L.A., Kurt and, well, actually, everybody showed up at Jason, I think. They were all there, you know, and they've always been really cool guys. And every time I see any of those guys, it's always like, hey, man, what's going on? Super friendly, down-to-earth guys. I really like the Metallica guys. Are you a fan? Do you, are you even in any, any of their records? Oh, yeah. Did you own their records back in the day? Yeah, I think I own all their records. Even load and load two, I have I have it all. <laughs> <laughs> I've been tripping that that the black album is now thirty years old this year. Let me tell you a fast story. I'm in New York City getting ready to do press for Cocked and Loaded, right? Mm-hmm. And I had an advanced copy of the black album, and I walk into the scrap bar. The only other person in there that night was James Edfield, alone in the scrap bar. And I walk up to him, and he was loaded. <laughs> and and I wasn't. He's all Tracy guys. I don't I don't want to get into the whole thing. It was funny, but anyways, doing press, you know, and and yeah, why do you care? And I go, well, that's why I'm here. It's the only reason why we're here. You know, in this bar alone because there's nothing going on. He's like, yeah, I guess so. I go, I have your new record, and I listen to it a lot, and I really like it. He goes, you always pretend like you like Metallica. <laughs> I'm like, you like Metallica? He goes, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if you do. You kind of, you're like fancy. I'll never forget fancy. I'm fancy. What? He goes, you play with guys like Michael Shanker. And, you know, like, like James, it's me, man. And he was so, so drunk. Anyways, <laughs> um, you know, I established, to him that was the only thing i did that night was convince him that i liked his band you know and i still don't think he believed me but the next time i saw him i go do you remember we were at the scrap bar together he goes nope <laughs> i go you don't he goes nope i go we were doing press he goes, nope <laughs> and that was it. he just completely denies the existence of that evening it, it's amazing but anyway back to metallica i love metallica <laughs> i love that story and it's great to hear and uh, even if hetfield doesn't remember it you certainly do and hilarious oh, yeah. to hear do you have a really favorite is. song that we should play for mandatory metallica tonight oh man you know for whom the bell tolls is always the one but maybe let's just do whiplash i mean it, it, it just it just doesn't get any gnarlier there's something about that song. It's so young, you know, unbelievable. Almost a kind of a punk rock vibe too on that tune. It does. It does. It, it has this thing is what I like about early LA guns. And even some of the, the newer stuff is that incorporation of, you know, when the metal hits a certain tempo and it's not necessarily the speed of the tempo, it's the way the tempo is played. It's mistaken for like kind of a punk edge. And, you know, I think Maiden had it, too, on the early records, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And, and you know, I always love that song more than other Metallica songs, Whiplash. Interesting. We'll definitely rock that for you. Appreciate okay, the song, buddy. Tracy. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Safe, uh, safe travels right. out there. Okay, have a good night. Thanks. Bye-bye. 
Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety. Available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.